Welcome to The Pestle, reviewing and breaking down movies to look for insights into the movie-making process. Hosted by Chumbawamba. Remember Chumbawamba? Yeah. Chumbawamba. Let's dim the lights and start the show. Welcome everybody to The Pestle. Today's show is brought to you by Lust Conquers All. Tune in for a hot sizzling action where love takes a backseat to the superficial on Lust Conquers All. Welcome everybody <laughs> to The Pestle. I am Wes. And I am Todd. And this is the show where we, as filmmakers, like to pull apart films and apparently TV shows to discuss what they do, how they do it, sometimes why they do it, um, usually why they do it, uh, and all the other things. Um, we are running short on time today, and so we're going to jump straight into today's episode, which is about what, Mr. Toddies? Yes, today we are covering season two of Ted Lasso. So if you haven't seen that, please go pause this episode and take a gander. Um, it is streaming on Apple TV. Yeah, we'll talk about a bunch of stuff. We'll you know look through some of the highlights and lowlights from season two, uh, maybe some of the missed opportunities uh, that they didn't take advantage of, and also some of the nicely written characters and complex characters and relationships and other such stuff and things and stuff. Absolutely. So uh, the synopsis of the show, an American college football coach, Ted Lasso, heads to London to manage AFC Richmond, a struggling English Premier League soccer team. It's created by Jason Sudeikis and Bill Lawrence, cinematography by David Rahm, starring Jason Sudeikis as Ted Lasso, Hannah Waddingham as Rebecca, Nick Mohammed as Nate, Brett Goldstein as Roy Kent, Brendan Hunt as Coach Beard, Jeremy Swift as Higgins, Tohib Jimon as Sam Obisanya, and Sarah Niles as Dr. Sharon. Hi, Nate. Hello. Everything okay? Yes, Ted. Everything is okay. What is it? Hmm? What'd I do? What are you talking about? Oh, come on, man. You're mad as hell at me. I just want to know why. Huh? What have I got to learn here? You want to know what you did? Yeah, please. Okay. I'll, I'll tell you what you did. You made me feel like I was the most important person in the whole world. And then you abandoned me. Like you switched out of life just like that. And I, I worked my ass off trying to get your attention back, to prove myself to you, to make you like me again. But the more, the more I did, the less you cared. It's like I was fucking invisible. I haven't even got the, the photo I gave you for Christmas up in your office, just a picture of dumb Americans. And now you're going to play Nate's false nine so when the team fuck up, which they will, okay, you can blame it on me. Well, no, fuck that. Everybody loves you. The great Ted Lasso, well, I, I think you're a fucking joke. Without me, you wouldn't want a single match and they would have shipped your ass back to Kansas where you fucking belong with your, with your son. Because you, you sure as hell don't belong here. But I do. I belong here. This, di this didn't just fall into my lap, right? I, I earned this. I know you didn't, mate. 
And if I didn't tell you how important you were to me enough, I'm sorry about that. No, no, you're not. You're full of shit. Just fuck you, Ted. Richmond down two. So, I mean, many questions. Uh, the first and maybe most important one is, was season two for you as good as season one? Um, you know, it wasn't. And I... We haven't talked about this yet. And it's been we haven't. Up. <laughs> we haven't said any words about it. Um, yeah, no, it, it, it wasn't. And... Uh, it's kind of hard to pinpoint why, because it's okay. I think that the thing, there was some good and some not so good, you know, stuff I think that happened this season. I, I loved, you know, there that they talked a lot about mental health and brought that to the forefront. I thought that that was really awesome and not, it's not like somebody else had some issues. It was like the main character, you know, Ted had, had some issues. So, but I don't know there it just missed a little bit for me it missed a little bit of that that magic that that first season had and I don't I wasn't necessarily expecting the same kind of magic you can't have that twice it was like lightning in a bottle just everyone loving the scenario the situations that that Ted was put in and the fact that he was learning you know the whole time he's learning about British football and about mm -hmm. all the the differences and everything like that. And the, like being caught off guard and our, um, his, his beautiful reactions to being ignorant were so endearing that you couldn't, you just couldn't help but love the guy. And then, um, and then, you know, he was having, he did have some issues, uh, that it, we became aware of some of the issues that, that, you know, his, his, with his mental health in the first season, but it didn't go too deep. Right. It was just like, like, oh my gosh, you know, he's like, he's like having some problems. And then that helped to develop his relationship with some of the characters really well. I mean, I thought that they used that brilliantly to develop his, his relationship with Rebecca. And it just was a, it was just a, a beautiful story. Right. And I just feel like on the, in the second season, you know, they were, they were developing all the characters, you know, pretty well, but I just, for me, I felt like I want more Ted. Like, I know that there are other characters in the show. I get that. But as a viewer, I love Ted and everyone else is, you know, kind of like around Ted. So that's why the first season was so good. It was like, it was just so focused on him that there was no, like we would break away to other characters and we would of course develop other characters, but it always, you know, it very wholly centered around him. And I felt like this season spent a lot more time developing you know, a lot of the other characters and it was less fulfilling. Um, so like Roy, Roy Kent developed him a whole lot, which was fine. I like Roy. And then obviously, you know, Nate to a little bit lesser extent, despite the, the, the clip you played, I feel like, uh, and there were some gems in there, like coach beards episode. I loved that where he just had, you know, got, <laughs> the, the you know, had, like, the worst yeah. night ever <laughs> right. in the history of life. It was like Job. Um, <laughs> Uh, I, you know, there were a couple of episodes that I really, really enjoyed, but it wasn't, yeah, it just wasn't the lightning in the bottle thing. And then the whole Nate situation really, and I don't know if I missed something and maybe I did and I will go back and rewatch, but I felt like that was a little out of nowhere almost for me. Uh, and I'm very curious to hear what you, to hear your thoughts there because 
the whole time where he was going off on him, I was sitting there thinking, okay, Ted, you got to lose your shit on this guy. Like, let him have it because this guy is totally out of bounds completely. Um, But I understood the path in the story. Like, like, Mm. let's get Nate out there and to to do something else, like get him away from the team. I thought that that was a great move to start next season. And it's going to be this is a great stepping stone to season three for me that I really enjoyed. I wasn't crazy about the doctor and kind of just lost a, l- a little bit with the whole Sam Obasanya relationship uh, situation. I was like, that just doesn't feel right. It, call it ageist, I, I guess. I don't know. But it's a little bit like the opposite of, you know, the power situation that you have with men in power and and dating, you know, uh, like females that they that work for them, things like that. And But it, opposite. And it just felt. It just felt wrong uh, a little bit to me. But yeah, I don't know. It it just lost its luster for me a little bit. That's funny. I would agree with about 80%. Okay. Like there is a 20% that I I think we'll we'll disagree on. And it's one of those shades of gray kind of thing. Um, But largely I do agree with, you know, what you're saying, especially in terms of season one compared to season two, because season one football was a much bigger part of the story and the characters revolving around it. It all spun out of Ted and his relationship to, uh, to, to the team and um, how everyone is relating within those dynamics. Um, so season two, it felt like it shifted from uh, a sports comedy, you know, drama to uh, an office comedy drama. Like those are just two completely different things. And so everything suddenly took on a turn like, Football is just what everyone happens to be a part of. It's not yeah. really central to what's going on in their lives in, in quite the same way to some degree or another. But in the same way, I mean, you almost could have, you know, fit in anything. We could have suddenly been at Dunder Mifflin and all those same stories probably would have played out, you know, very similarly. Yeah. Just obviously tweaks here and there. Yeah. And so that was a big turn off for me the first, I don't know, four or five episodes. It took me a while to kind of uh, pull me along especially episode one getting into it i thought that whole opening with killing the dog was very just silly and uh i was just like all right and then as soon as they introduced dr sharon i'm like okay this is clearly just a uh an avenue to bring her in Mm -hmm. and have it relate to soccer as opposed to let's just have ted you know interact with a therapist and discuss some of these mental health issues we'll we'll use her to you know permeate throughout the entire office and it'll be something for everyone to kind of circle around. Um, and to some degree, you know, it works. Um, and everything I, I like about her definitely has, you know, stuff you were, you know, mentioning about like mental health and having that conversation. Very good. I, she worked really well for me once she was in there and in the, in the flow of the show. Uh, but her, the way they inserted her was just, I don't know, really corny to me. Um, and, and just not that much fun as much as I like Daniel Rojas, uh, and, and everything that he brings to the show. I don't know. I felt like they maybe this season could have developed him a little bit more. And I felt like they went the opposite direction. They mm-hmm. underdeveloped him. They put him on a very one note path. Um, and they had an opportunity to, to bring his silly kind of lighthearted and dramatic, you know, right. He's very over the top. Whenever he's dramatic, he's super dramatic. And whenever he's doing well, he's super lighthearted and which was great. I think that played so well in season one. Cause he was just briefly in there. 
they could have done so much more with him in, in season two to, to bring him along. And maybe that's something they say for, for season three, but whenever you kind of have him walking around struggling with dress shoes, I was like, okay, I get it. you know, he's just comic relief, I guess, but I don't know, just on his character alone, they could have done more. And then in that same thing, they, they de-developed uh, Jamie Tart. Mm-hmm. Like I felt like that was a massive miss after missed opportunity, right? They had a whole line of growth uh, that they could have sent him down on why he's returning to Richmond and earning his place back and growing up as, as a man and uh, kind of dealing with his father. And I felt like they just completely disserviced him um, and his entire character, everything they built in season one, they kind of just threw away with magic pixie dust. It was like, Oh, he goes into Dr. Sharon's office and walks out a completely different person. Like they do very little to make him earn his growth. And whenever there's moments where he should, based on his character and what we've seen from him, like he should be a little bit more ferocious and uh, difficult to deal with. He's just way too kind and way too easy. I'm like, I don't, this, this isn't Jamie Tart. Like, I don't know what, you know, y'all thought y'all could do in the span of, you know, uh, three minutes. Like I think it's episode two or something where he goes from getting booted off the, the reality show and losing his team. And then suddenly he's super humble and, mm-hmm. and he stays super humble. Like he never, he never goes rises back. back up. No. And they play around a little bit with that, with the whole, sometimes you need to be a prick, you know, that's who you are. But yeah, I, it, it was a little too easy. His whole so, growth was just way too easy to me. So then um, what did you think of, of the doctor? I mean, what I liked her. I did like her. I liked, and I think this, the, the reason I liked her is the reason why I was struggling with most of the season, which is everybody loves Ted. Everybody loves Ted. And I get that, you know, in, in reality, everyone loves Ted Lasso, but you still have an American coaching an English football team that got him relegated. I'm sorry, but fans are going to be rabid. They're going to be on you. They're going to be tearing your head apart. Like that's soccer or football uh, is the most vicious sport in the entire world. Maybe in the entire history of the world, like people have died playing soccer. You know, people have been murdered on soccer fields. Like this is the most rabid uh, and passionate fan base you have. And I'm sorry, no, no Brit is going to take kindly to an American taking over their, their FC. Like that's just completely. And this is coming from me who has maybe watched a game and a half of soccer in his entire life. Even I know this. <laughs> like, And so if I'm not buying into that, you know, alter world view, then I'm, I can only imagine what actual uh, footy fans, you know, make of the whole thing. Uh, and so, but what she did, what Dr. Sharon did by coming onto the show was give another opportunity for Ted to win someone over. And so I liked how stiff upper lip she was and she didn't give in to his, uh, his whimsy um, and, and his playfulness. Uh, she was a much harder win uh, than anybody else, you know, certainly this season. Um, but maybe even from last season, like you was just, she, she was hard. And, and anytime you think, oh, that might've made a dent, like she just turned it on him and made it a psychoanalysis play. And I don't know. And so for those aspects, I really started to enjoy her and what she was bringing. Hmm. Yeah. That's, so, I feel, I, mean, I feel the total opposite. I feel hmm. like what I want for me. Yeah. Everybody loves Ted because Ted's awesome. <laughs> I don't, sorry. I don't, I don't need, for me, I didn't need someone, I didn't need to see somebody 
you know, be won over by him because I feel like one of the the strongest part of this show is is because me as a viewer, I love him. Right. And and everybody else loves him, too. That's why they're, it's so good. So what I would have liked is for her to have the complete opposite attitude, for her to be as quick witted and funny and lighthearted as him. And then, and to use that to win him over it just because, because then when she gets real and serious, when the real conversations happen, then you see another total other side of her. But I just feel like the whole time it's just, she's just hard and stoic and then she's soft, but still, still has that hard and stoic aspect to her. It just felt more one dimensional in that regard. It would have been really cool if Everyone, I mean, I know everyone loved her and they, they're like, oh yeah, but they mostly just loved her after they talked to her, like after mm-hmm. they saw her. And so we never got to see that inside, you know, until she starts shrinking Ted really. Right. Uh-huh. And, uh, I don't know. I just, I probably would have liked her more had she come in and been, been more like Ted and won them over in the same way. But for some reason, that's part of the problem now is that everybody loves Ted and, and I get, so, okay. So maybe I'm looking at this from an American point of view, you know, like what you said earlier, like, okay, so, so these are diehard fans. And so someone like Nate is their voice, right? Is mm-hmm. the you American. Yep. You don't belong here. Get the fuck out. And everybody, no, no matter, because, Everybody loves Ted, but fuck you, you don't belong here. Like, I, and, and if that's the case, then that's just the American in me. And, and that's fine, you know, I guess. But I, I just, I don't know. It would have been, I would have enjoyed it a, a lot more if it had been like that. But that's the American in me, I guess. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, for me, the other thing I, I really appreciated about that dynamic between Dr. Sharon and Ted was they broke a pretty big rule in writing and uh, film and TV, which is normally you put a single man and a single woman in the same room and they spend a lot of time on screen together. They make it romantic. It's all, it always yeah. culminates in like some kind of romantic relationship. So I really appreciated that they just let two people of the opposite sex and a relatively same age just exist and coexist and keep it on a friendship level. Uh, cause I kept anticipating, I was like, y'all are going to ruin this friendship. And they didn't, they, they let them be. Now, if they took that in a new direction next season, I think that would be cool and interesting. But for at least this era, they never even come close to touching any kind of romantic vibe. Um, and so I just really appreciated that. Agreed. As far as, as, as far as Nate, man, honestly, it's my favorite character of the season. <laughs> uh, great no, no i i i loved it i loved his development yeah yeah what, i did what did you make of that like what was your feeling i don't know could you kind of see it coming down the pipe or yeah i mean i could see it coming but i didn't i what i didn't see coming was ted not squashing it because mm, yeah. he had squashed other i guess uprisings you know uh, from the from the team i think i think sam had an at at one point was like angry was like pissed off at Ted or something pulls him aside yeah squash that and then squash the the Jamie Tart thing Mm -hmm. Uh, like um what's his what's his name the 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 um 
I forget his name, but the the, the team, yeah, the team yeah. leader, all of those, he's squashed them all. So I expected him to kind of like bring Nate back into the fold or, or at least to just calm him down, but it just never happened. And so I, I, the more I think about it, the more I think, yeah, this is an homage. This is like, oh, they're giving England their voice back mm-hmm. in this. And so if I was a Brit and and I was watching this, you know, because it's written, you know, like, uh, yeah, Jason Sudeikis, you know, it's his, his thing. But also the guy who plays Roy Kent is a writer on the show and he's a British guy. It's written by a bunch of, of British folks. And so mm-hmm. they're trying to give their voice back and Nate is their voice, it seems like to me. And so that that makes complete sense to me now and it 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 feels it feels right and it feels like a great progression into the next season so while this season was a little flat for me i feel like next season should be really strong and hopefully more focused on football again yeah that that would be my biggest wish for sure just even as someone who doesn't watch it you know i i really appreciated being brought along and understanding some of the nuances and some of the strategy even some of the basic stuff like it's called a pitch i don't think i really fully appreciated that um you know, my, like, my 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 favorite my favorite thing that he got to realize was when, when he did, he did this, is, this is the same this is this is the same size pitch that you guys practice on actually it's not wait what what all, all the pitches are pretty much are different sizes but i don't know what you guys are doing over here <laughs> so good it's so good so i don't know if you caught what the that was referencing it was a hoosiers reference where you know they go to a big game and he breaks out a measuring tape and he measures like the distance from the free throw line and the height of the rim he's like yep guys same exact dimensions as the one y'all played on back home like yeah uh, the only there is no difference this is our court or yep. whatever um and he was trying to pull that on them and it just backfired uh-huh <laughs> so good so good but nate man i just so much i loved about his character development and i think it would have been easy because he might have been my favorite character from season one as well uh just to see this uh guy kind of humbly come along and have his moments and um ted does bring him up and and raises him up and he, it ends with him being a coach like that's such a good win for him and his and his meek character right he has this very meek presence and to see well what do you do with him now well, now you bring in the resentment of someone who knows what he's doing and his ideas are being heard and used and they're helping, like they're helping the team. Uh, and you have that one moment where he kind of mouths off to the other coaches in the room, Roy and Coach Beard, and he's like, you know, he's probably going to use my idea again and take all the credit. And they're just like, hey, that's the job. <laughs> like, What do you expect? Yeah. Yeah. Like he's the man that this is the way the game plays. And he was just, you know, really unhappy about it. But even from the first episode and what's interesting is they open the season on Nate. It's a close up of Nate is the very first shot of the season. And the last shot of the season, it's a close up on Nate and they're two different people. Like, I mean, his Nate, hair is grayer and yeah, all that stress, right. From, from living the life that he's living, the frustration and, uh, some of the lies that he's telling, uh, whether to the coach or to himself, to the press, you know, it's just, it just got overwhelming. And he's a very conflicted dude because you can see him not taking the mantle of leadership very well. 
one of the first things we see him do in the, in the season is uh, to mistreat Will, the new kit man who's who's taking his place. Right, he's treating him like garbage. He's treating the lower players on the on the rung like garbage. Right, Colin. He is so mean spirited to both of them for for no real reason. And his attitude is, well, pressure makes diamonds. Uh, and it's, it's this misguided attempt at leadership. And I think we see this in the real world a lot where people, you know, get an opportunity to, to, to lead someone else. And they think the only way to do it is the way that it was done to them. Um, and for, and for Nate, his dad is so mean, like we finally get to meet his dad and his dad just doesn't appreciate anything. Like he, he gets him a nice, table um and he's just like i'm not a dog don't whistle at me and um it's there's no sense of pride in his son and appreciation he has a big moment and he gets right when he takes over for coach lasso after he has his uh quote-unquote food poisoning or panic attack and he 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 takes control he's like no he sees coach beard and roy about to do something he's like nope i got it and they're like oh cool you got it i love how they let him they let him take it that's so much maturity on their part and trust and he kills it and he gets in the paper and his dad's reading it. And what does his dad say? He just corrects him. He's like, uh, some say humility isn't, uh, thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less. And it's just like, Oh, okay. You know, and just every step along the way, I, you can just feel all these little moments out the way he's treating other people and the way he's feeling treated. Cause often he feels emasculated and disrespected, unseen and all he does is take it out on other people, right? Whenever, oh man, uh, that that moment when, like you mentioned earlier, the team captain, uh, McAdoo, and he's starting to stress out and he's just not playing the game the right way. And, and Lasso sees it and he's like, I think we're going to have to call in a big dog. And Nate's like, yeah, all right, you know, I'll do it. Uh, and he just laughs. Ted Lasso laughs at him, not understanding. And Coach Beard is just looking at him like, that's not a joke. He's like, you knew that wasn't a joke. Nope. Uh, and Nate, you can only feel broken as a man, a grown man, whenever someone you respect laughs at the notion of you being like, you know, someone that carries weight in in the room or in, and on your team. Like that's, and we all know he didn't mean anything by it, but that's not, there's no other way to take it as someone, you know, who's, who's working underneath you. So you have moments like that feeling demeaned and there's a little comment that he makes about the way his dad used to demean his relationships and and so he's just starved for affection and fatherly uh appreciation and it just boils up more and more and more until you know he just can't take it anymore and i think the biggest surprise was the monologue that you know i played where he's just saying it's not what i expected him to say at that moment i expected him to say you don't I don't think you know what you're doing. I think, I think you're a joke, all that stuff. Yeah. But the stuff where he's like, I've been fighting for your attention and all you did was throw me away. You raised me up and then forgot about me. I didn't see that coming. Like that's a really good, well-rounded and useful. Like, I don't think they just fabricated that. I think, you know, it's there, it's in the background, but it's not something that's obvious to the viewer. It's something that's obvious to the character and the one and the way they're going about their life. It's something you can imagine. He's been thinking this all year. And then boom, you know, it just explodes. Yeah. And so I don't know. I, I, I just, think, I, I think, sorry to interrupt, but I, I think that this is one of those, those like reasons why this is an example of, of it would have been great if I could have binged, binged this mm-hmm. instead of waiting every single week, because 
I think that there were these Easter eggs there and, and, you know, having a week in between episodes, you forget them. I don't think that they were, you know, largely obvious except for like that time he laughed. Absolutely. And I remember that, but a lot of times it didn't really feel like he was like Nate was aggressively screaming to Ted, like notice me. And there, maybe there were, and I just missed them because, uh, or I, or I saw them and I caught it, but I just let it go because, oh, there's another, it's a week until the next episode. And I just end up forgetting about it. Were, were those there for you? Ish. I think I saw his, his power hungry nature rising up and taking over in the way he treated other people. Um, but I think mostly there was just a lack of scenes happening between him and Ted. And so I would say it was in the absence of it uh, more than in anything overt happening between the two of them. They still could have, uh, to me, they could have made a bigger deal about that. Mm. Um, It just, it would have, it would have meant there would have been a lot more weight or I don't know. Yeah. I think because there's, there's a few little moments, you know, there's a moment at Christmas when Nate gives them like a, Mm -hmm. a photograph of them, a framed photo of, of both of them together. And Ted is such a whole and fairly complete human being that he says thank you with the same level of intention and uh, depth of a gift like that as he would to someone opening a door for him. Like to him, it's all relatively equal uh, from the outside. Maybe on the inside, he's having different thoughts, but uh, I think he's just such a complete human being. He doesn't feel a need to overcompensate whenever he sees someone doing something like that. Mm-hmm. And that's one of his nice parts and, you know, clearly one of his downfalls too. Yeah. Just the ability to, to read where someone's at sometimes isn't very good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I really liked, uh, I don't know. Uh, okay. So Rebecca and Sam kind of worked for me. I think this is one of the, the 20% that I'm not eye to eye on. Like I hear what you're saying. I think that makes a lot of sense and I can see why that would turn off a lot of people. It didn't really bother me. I think for no particular reason other than they got to know each other blindly and uh, through right the banter app, which by the way, Rebecca's text game is terrible. Sam should have like hung up on her ages ago because she is mm-hmm. garbage. And, and if you're texting like this, whenever you're trying to date someone, I don't care if you're a man or a woman, like you're, you deserve to be dumped, man. That's just a garbage way. These little non answer answers, like, they're just closed answers. She never invites conversations. She just answers a question and Sam has to go on like he's giving an interview. Uh, like that's not a very dynamic conversation. And, and if you're sensing frustration, yeah, <laughs> like this is what I experienced. <laughs> this doesn't happen to you. No. Okay. Right. And so it's just frustrating whenever you're trying to have a conversation and get to know somebody and all they're doing is these one word answers. And like, I just stopped texting. Like that's okay, cool. Well, even beyond that, like they, they clearly had a vibe, whatever. And they connected. I don't know. I mean, I guess it just doesn't bother me because I, I trust adults to make their own decisions. Now, if he was underage, yeah, I I would have a, obviously I think everyone would have a much bigger issue given the age gap. Uh, but I mean, for the most part, I, I just trust people to to do what's in their best interest and if you have a problem uh i i would hope you would speak up um i know it doesn't work that way all the time um but ultimately i i feel like they're 
adults consensuating uh, between each other and so yeah. yeah that works for me i think i was more disappointed that they broke up um and and that she ended it out of fear like uh, i think it's just too easy to give into fear and and it's so hard to find someone that you connect with like you know what if it's about him having an opportunity to go play for uh, a nigerian team great yes do the right thing set them free you know uh, but if it's really more about you feeling vulnerable um and and you know just i don't know so i'm i'm and for me i'm i'm rooting for them to to figure it out <laughs> that's that's where yeah. i'm at <laughs> yeah i get i get that i don't i don't have any problem with the the age difference like whatever it doesn't just mean the, anything more to the me. power dynamic yeah. um I mean, a little bit, but not really because mm. he was pursuing her. So that's, you know, that's a little bit different, right? Um, True. Rather mm. than her pursuing him. But I don't know. It just didn't, it just didn't feel right. Actually, I mean, I do have a problem with the power dynamic th- situation thing. It's like, it felt very, I don't know. It felt very much like one of those scenarios that like, you know, is happening for the show rather than like something that would have been a natural occurrence. And uh, I, I, I see how they got there through the, the banter app um, thing and everything. And if they wanted, they wanted to develop Sam and they wanted to develop Rebecca. So, you know, and they're both single people. So yeah, I can see how that, they bring that together. But then once you bring them together, her to say, you know, I'm not ready to do this. Yes. Like you said, out of fear was very frustrating, but then for um, him to be recruited by uh, that, that, you know, that Nigerian guy for him to be recruited and her to, I don't know, like she had been absent for a while and then to like show up and say, you can go like, I don't, Hmm. You, she doesn't need to tell him he can go. She's already dumped him. Right. And he's just like sitting there and then he doesn't go. And then, and I get that in the end, it was a good idea because the guy hmm. was an asshole, but he didn't know that we didn't yeah. know that, you know, we thought this was a, the opportunity of a lifetime for him, not just to make money or to be famous, but to like, you know, have an effect on what he loves dearly, which is his home right? To like bring something very special to where he's from, which he's, they have been setting that up forever, you know? And I get his choice. Okay. So he chooses not to go, but I can't help but feel like it is because he still loves her and, or like wants to be with her. And I feel like that is a terrible thing to Mm. do because she, she was the one that told him, you know, I can't be with you right now. We need to stop. And, and then for him to just basically put his life on hold for her, it just feels wrong. And I know that, you know, some will say, well, yeah, you know, he wanted to start this restaurant randomly, uh, you know, in, in London. And then also to, um, I guess not too randomly, he's talked about Nigerian food before, but to start this restaurant and then, and to play football more there, like making it more about staying with his team, right? This is the whole reason you were talking about, like, it doesn't feel like we're part of a football club anymore. It feels like we're just part of the world and these are everyday characters. And that's not what I want to watch. I want to watch a football team interacting with the football team and all of the other people that are part of the football team. It's one of the reasons why Moneyball is the movie that it is. Like you are always in that world and every now and then you get pulled out, but then you're sucked back in to the world of baseball. It is the same 
that I want here, which is give me football or give me death. Football is life. <laughs> I, I don't need to see a bunch of other, a bunch of random people doing random things and life happening to them randomly. That happens to me every day. I watch that on shows every day. I want to see this particular thing, which I think season one did very well, very well. And yeah. this one did a little bit less of, so I don't know. I clearly have a problem with, <laughs> with their relationship. I think just because it's a little, it's a, it's, aloof in ways and it's very serious in ways and i don't know what those ways are because they change Hmm. that's what it's not like a grounded relationship for me it is like a are they on then they're fucking on are they off then they're off and but they're not totally off because sam is staying i guarantee you for her because he said i he even said in the closet he said i i'm gonna get even nicer well he can't get he can't get any even nicer if he leaves so He's staying for her. It's like obvious. So I don't know. I no, have a problem with that. That's fair. I did. I did really like the uh, that last minute character, the uh, the billionaire, the Nigerian billionaire. I did too. Like, he was really fun, and I appreciated that they made him to be kind of a racist. Um, yeah, we don't get to experience enough of that, I'm, and some people might be surprised, you know, to, to I don't know at that idea or the prospect, or even just me saying that out loud. But that's 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 real life. Like you you can be racist and you don't have to be white to be a racist. Um, and I know a lot of people disagree with that based on power dynamics and definitional stuff, um, et cetera. But if we're going by the really basic level of you think one group of people is better than another, anybody can be a racist. Um, yeah. And I've experienced that. Like I grew up, I've had girls hit on me, have crushes on me and say they can't date me because I'm white. Like that stuff happens. And so I really appreciated seeing him. He wouldn't shake Ted's hand like, oh, and Ted totally like got it. No problem. Hey, people have their things. Um, And then, of course, he sees the way he interacts with with Sam and he's like, oh, okay, well, there that is. And there's even a comment later on where he says something like, well, like my father used to say, even a silent white man is still a white man. He's like, yeah. Oh, word. Okay. <laughs> okay. Like, and That's so finally, right. whenever he uh, uh, turns him down, we he gets to see who he really is. Whenever he doesn't get his way, ultimately, he's just an asshole. Like, uh, and you can be rich or poor and still be a complete asshole. <laughs> so true. I, I like that, you know, just, hey, every there's all kinds of people in all kinds of areas of life. And I think it's good to paint three-dimensional characters and not just people, you know, that represent the reality we want to live in instead of reality as it exists. Um, And you can certainly paint a backstory and a picture of why he is the way he is. And I think that's totally fine. Um, You know, people, white people, I'm sure have destroyed a lot of stuff in his neck of the woods and he has a lot of good reason to be distrustful Mm -hmm. and, you know, and have whatever resentment, anger, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. And that, yeah. Anyway, I just I, I liked him as a character overall, I guess. I did too, I agree. I did think Miss Storyline, just to to dial back into the football aspect that I, both of us I think are really frustrated by, was we didn't really get to experience the journey to promotion. Yeah. Like it just happened in the background. That should have been the big focus of the season of those ups and downs. And instead it would be like uh we open the season, they're on a seven game streak of ties. Like they've already played through seven games and we haven't got to live and die with any of those games. 
it's very milk toast. That's very weak. Yeah. And the rest of the season plays out that way. It's very shallow on soccer. There's not a lot of depth. We don't get to, you know, explore any of that stuff. I mean, even if they did like a like a minute long montage, like something of like every game, oh tie, oh tie, oh tie, just yeah. so we could experience a little moment of each of them. I mean, that would have been something. But yeah, I agree. Totally. Back to your point about mental health. I thought it was a really good, and I struggle with this. I would say my first watch through, I've been like trying to blast through this thing over the last day. I was a little put off, not necessarily by the depiction of mental health itself, like great, but I, it just felt completely unmotivated and sporadic and out of nowhere. And, and I think watching it the second time, I appreciated that aspect about it because while maybe not a well told from a storyline perspective, it does present a very well uh, case as it happens in, in reality, right? Because mental health issues and, uh, and panic attacks, they're not this perfectly linear thing that happens to people. It, it's, it doesn't work that way. Things just kind of build up and it feels like it happens out of nowhere, even though it's been in the background the whole time. I've never dealt with panic attacks, so I can't relate on that level. But I think watching this helped me understand it a little bit better. And and so I definitely like hats off. That's that was much better written than I think I appreciated my first time mm-hmm. through. Yeah. What uh and I, I'm almost done here. Um <laughs> what what Roy and Keeley, like they became one of my favorite things, you know, throughout yeah. the season, watching them together. And and really Roy developed so well as a character, right? Because I think he turned into this very well-rounded brute, right? He's almost the embodiment of non-toxic masculinity. He's just very strong and, you know, confident, uh, verbose and put together man, right? A man's man. Yet he respects people, respects women, gives great advice, tells people hard truths when they don't want to hear it. Uh, like Rebecca, right? He, he gives her a lot of great advice, advice over the season. Don't settle for a lesser love, right? Yeah. He's like, that guy was garbage. What are you doing with him? You deserve someone that makes you feel like lightning hits you or whatever. And then same thing with her, her goddaughter, Nora, uh, who I loved. I loved Nora as a character. I thought, you know, she was really strong. She was witty. She had perspective. She wasn't just kind of throwaway character that they just said, let's make her cutesy and, and that'll be that. Like they really put something new behind her that I don't feel like I've, I've seen before. Um, and so I was just really happy with not just the, the writing, but even the performance. Uh, whoever who played Nora, I think did a, did a really wonderful job. But whenever she's trying to connect, when Rebecca's trying to connect with her, uh, she bumps into to Roy and he's like, hey, just connect with her by inviting her into your life. Stop trying to be all these other things. Okay. Invites her to work. Fun ensues. Like, mm-hmm. So Roy just turned into this really great sage person, knowing when to step in and when not to. And yet, my question to you is, if you care to weigh in, I don't know if you do, uh, but is, do you think... Roy is creating a rift with Kelly, like a, a self-fulfilling prophecy of doom, or is he seeing a real issue ahead of the curve? With who? With Keely, with his girlfriend. With Keely, I thought you said Kelly. I was like, I don't oh. know who <laughs> Kelly is. Uh, yeah, there, there's something going on, you know. Because, and I, one thing I did like about the show is you don't have to have a big role mm. for it to be impactful, and I think they do this very well with the teacher. The teacher, we see her maybe twice, maybe three times the whole season. 
maybe three times. Uh, three, maybe she, four. Three, maybe four. Okay, cool. Yeah. But, you know, and it's never for more than like a scene, right? Mm-hmm. But she becomes the impetus behind one of the biggest things that happens in the season for me, which is when Roy comes home and tells her and tells her that the teacher asked me if I was married and I just said, no, I don't know why that's all I said. That it's so, it's very powerful. That one little thing. And I know that Keely then said, yeah. And you know, Mm -hmm. Jamie said, I love you. And, and Nate kissed me, whatever. Those can be overlooked because they happened to Keely. Keely didn't do them. But Roy made the decision not to say, I have a girlfriend. He just said, I'm not married. That's it. There's a big, big deal, which is much bigger than what happened to, to Keely. So she's a massive, the, the teacher has a massive role in this season, in Roy specifically. And that, I thought that they did that brilliantly because so many times in life, you know, someone can randomly come into your life and just totally change everything, either in a good or a bad way, in very barely even knowing them, you know, and like these interactions are very important. And so I thought that they did that really well by not overusing her to make us love her. Like we don't, I don't want to love the teacher. I love Roy and Keely together. I don't want yeah. her to come between them. Mm-hmm. You know, we first meet the teacher. It's just, hey, I got to tell you, she's cursing a lot, you know. Why do you think that is? I don't fucking know. You know, um, that's great. That's a great first interaction there. You know, I felt a little bit something there between them, but I don't think that it was necessarily like supposed to be there. It's just like, oh, she's really beautiful. Right. He's got to notice that. I mean, he's a footballer. He's, you know, um, but at the same time, you don't think anything because then they cut away and it's it's him with her and he's talking to her in the car about cursing with the little girl. So, so yeah, I thought that that was, for me, that was the biggest moment of the whole season. I I get the Nate situation, you know, that's a necessity. Let's break from this. Let's get, you know, a whole nother storyline going. Uh, But then, and then apparently the, the other weird thing that happened in the finale was he's like, yeah, we're going to go away for six weeks. And she's like, no, 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 you go. And he goes away for six weeks without her. He goes on vacation without her. Oh no, Mm. we'll be fine when you get back. And I, I love how they, they just showed the passage of time two weeks later, two months later, six months later. I loved that. They just show it, but we never see them. We never see Keely or, or Roy. Uh, and, and we just, so we're just kind of left hanging with what the heck is happening. He just, he just told her, you know, first he told her that he didn't, t- he didn't tell the teacher he has a girlfriend. Now she's saying, go away without me. Are we breaking up? No, 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 we're, we're good. We're good. I don't know about that. I don't know. Cause I do love them together. I thought, think that they're, cause they're both very strong characters. Yeah. You know, but they're also weak. Mm. There's like this element about them. That's like very weak. Roy is very needy. True. Like, (laughs) like, like (laughs) it's so funny because yeah, like you said it perfectly is he's non-toxic masculinity is fantastic. However, and, and which makes it okay that he's so needy because he's such a man's man, but then to also be needy, it was like interesting. And then Keely is so free spirited, but she's so humbled by Roy because she loves him so much that it's like they, they make each other the opposite, you know? Mm. It, yeah. So anyway, that's good. I mean, I think if they do break up, it'll be Roy. I think he's, yeah. 
he's creating issues where none really exist and whatever he's feeling he's maybe he swung too far the other direction like he's wanting to do what's best for her despite what she might actually want for herself yeah whereas he thinks like he's seeing that magazine photo spread of her by herself and without they didn't use any of the pictures with him and he's like yeah that just looks right like just because you think that looks right doesn't mean that's what she wants. Like, and it are, doesn't mean that you guys shouldn't be together because you don't look as good in a photo with her. Like, right. Come on. You're, you're completely projecting your insecurities. And I think he's going to create their downfall. Uh, and maybe it comes back to uh, the teacher, like you said. She's in actually the, the first couple episodes. And I didn't realize this until rewatching it. Um, I think uh, my buddy Ian noticed it. But uh, she's the the teacher that he's interacting with whenever he's coaching the little girl's soccer team. Oh, that's her. That's I, yeah. I saw it was a woman. I just didn't recognize her. Okay. Good. It's not just me. Finally. No, not just you. <laughs> but yeah. And so seeing that uh, uh, the second time I was like, Oh, cause she's kind of dropping some nuggets on him. And yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway. So yeah, I think, I think I'm excited to see where they, where they take that. I don't know. I mean, I, there's some other fun little highlights, right? Phoebe having the bad breath. That's Roy's niece. And they go door to door at Christmas looking for a dentist uh, until they fix it. They have that really adorable little love actually moment with the cards. And they're kind of, uh, you know, bu- not bullying, but uh, correcting the bully. Um, yeah. Very, I don't know, lovingly and firmly like yeah. hey don't be a little don't be a little twat you know or whatever they're saying um, see and that sees that sh- that episode was fantastic development for roy yeah like showing how how i, I guess it, you could call it manly i don't know how aggressive is a better word he is about i want something which mm-hmm. is you to feel valued and safe so yeah. we are going to knock on every fucking door until we find somebody to fix this problem because I love you. Like that's, that's, that was one of the best episodes to develop him possible. He just, you know, you got to know what the lengths that this guy will go to, which I think is fantastic for, you know, he's supposed to be one of the best players ever to play the game in the show. Right. So if that's, that's the case, yeah, he should have that mentality of, of huh. the answer lies on the other side of this difficult thing. Let's go through the difficult thing. Here we go. Good point. I will hold your hand through the whole thing. Yeah, Solid. seems like the type. I think that's about all I have uh, for it. I think we could okay. pick apart several other things, but yeah, that pretty much covers it. So, yeah. Anyway, what are you going to recommend this week? So this week I'm going to recommend another another Apple TV show that I was watching in conjunction to this at the same time that I just I really enjoyed and I don't I don't know that you enjoyed it as much as me but I think maybe in the end you did. Uh Mr. Corman um mm. with Joseph Gordon-Levitt. I thought it was really frustrating at times but in maybe intentionally so, not sure. But yeah, Mr. Corman, it which is on Apple TV. Nice. I am going to recommend uh, the new Ridley Scott film called The Last Duel. Yes. I don't think it's a show we'll ever cover. Uh, the topic is just way too big uh, for us, but I, I do recommend it. I think it's an, an incredibly engaging film. Is it uh, out now? Yeah. Uh, oh, okay. I, oh, maybe as of this weekend. I caught a screening of it at the Austin Film Society. Um, gotcha. But powerful. The performances are great. Matt Damon absolutely kills it. And if, 
and I'm just really excited. I mean, more than anything, I went to, I went just to watch Jodie Comer. Um, I think she's absolutely incredible and I'm waiting for her to be a household name. She is just that good. If you've never seen Killing Eve, you should go watch that and just watch it for her and just watch her because she is really that good. Yeah. Nice. Good, good, good job. Good suggestion. So stay tuned uh, for next week. I think uh, if I have your blessing, um, we will cover a squid game. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I need to. Re- I just finished it and I need to rewatch it because I watched. Oh God, I'm just going to say this. It's in Korean. So if you go watch it, know that Netflix allows you to watch it in the actual language and it will give you subtitles. And this is vastly important for this show. You have to. Because it, it, when you turn it on, it's going to have, it's going to be ADR yeah. in English. And I didn't realize that I could have turned that off. It was so painful to watch that way. And it's the worst ADR I've ever seen. <laughs> Absolute garbage. I don't know what they did. They spent all their money on <sighs> on making the show and had no more for English ADR. So um, just know that you can turn off the ADR and you can watch it in Korean with English subtitles and do that. So yeah, Squid Game is is great. Let's do it. Good note. Awesome. If you're enjoying the show, don't forget to subscribe, drop us a note, uh, leave us a review. And if there's something you want us to cover, uh, shoot us an email or, you know, drop a note on, on one of the episodes. And if you want to leave a note on this episode, you can do that at the pestlepodcast.com slash Ted Lasso season two. And we'll leave you with a quote of the day from Margaret Thatcher. The spirit of envy can destroy; it can never build. That's such a un- that's such an amazing quote. I just love that so much. I do too, and and I love it because it comes from Margaret Th- Thatcher, who is not well loved uh, in Britain. Um, hmm. And so I was like, "Oh, what's a quote about envy from someone who would be native to the Brits?" Uh, yeah, but regardless of who she is, I I do really love that idea. You know, envy is not a a constructive thing that you can build upon. Um, Yeah. Agreed. Fantastic. I love it. Wow. This has been really, really great. Thank you guys for hanging in there with us. Thank you, Wes, for your insight. I think, I think, you know, I probably like the episode or the the season a little bit more after having this conversation. So thank you for that. I definitely like the doctor a little bit more. A little bit. bit. Uh, So yeah, join us next week. We'll be covering Squid Game. Uh, Make sure to share us with your friends. Please review us. All the the good things. All of it helps. And we, we love doing this. But, you know, it does help to hear from you guys. Until next week, I'm Todd. I'm Wes. Go watch the movies.